All right, welcome everyone. Hope you're having a great day today. My name is Bob Roberts and I'm an aerospace education officer with the Civil Air Patrol here in Greenville, South Carolina. Today, we have someone who has motivated me personally, as well as thousands of others. Like many others, she is a commercial pilot who got hit hard when COVID descended upon the world, but she's kept working on it. She did whatever she could to stay in aviation throughout and is making some real achievements that highlight the importance of just keeping on going. She now has a new position flying one of the largest airplanes humans have ever made, what we're gonna talk about. And while she has been doing all of this, she has been vlogging and providing motivation and helping to build community in aviation. In the show notes down below, I'm gonna put all of her social media information so that you can follow and talk about aviation with her as well. I will say she does an incredible job that she tries to engage with all the people that leave questions. I know me personally, um, Nancy and I haven't met each other, but I've asked her about six or seven things in her comments and she's always responded. Uh, and that's just, that's awesome. Um, so without any more discussion, let's bring on our guest today, Nancy Bradshaw. Hey, Nancy, how are you? I am doing wonderful. How about yourself? Listen, it is like 65 degrees here in Greenville, South Carolina. It is the most beautiful time of year. Now you're, uh, and you're in Florida, so you're probably starting to cool off, right? A little bit. Yeah. It's winter here. We also have about, what is it? 75 today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always love it. Like when you go down, it's like 75 degrees and you go to Disney. Um, you know, in the middle of winter yep. and people are wearing coats, <laughs> it's yes, like it's 75. So. What are you doing? So, um, cold all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, right. It definitely gets cold. Now, Nancy, um, I, I kind of want to, for our conversation, you've done some really great things, even above and beyond what you're doing today. Right. Um, so I kind of want to take a, a little magic history ride with you. Um, because a lot of our, uh, listeners are going to be cadets. They're going to be um, you know, students ages 12 to 18, um, maybe some um, uh, senior members who may be looking to get into aviation as a career change. Um, and I think your story is really valuable for those folks. Um, specifically, we, you've talked in your videos about, um, you know, your nervousness and check rides. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm wrong like 99% of the time. So, so um, you failed a check ride once, right? Oh yes, I failed more than once, unfortunately. <laughs> more than once, right. <laughs> um, yeah, check ride anxiety is one of those things that I really, really did struggle with. And then just a little bit for the background, um, before I was a pilot, I was an aerospace engineer. So studying in itself, that's never been my problem. I've always been able to observe information and been able to convey it in a way that for the oral part of the check ride, I was always perfectly fine. However, the practical part of the check ride, because I've always put so much pressure on myself to perform, and then especially with my private pilot check ride, it was something completely new, something that I've never done before. And I was like, I need to nail this because I've nailed everything else in life. But, which is a little bit of an exaggeration, but studying itself like if you fail a test a written test or whatever most people it's not that visible you know what i mean as opposed to failing your check ride now everybody and their mom knows it all of a sudden all the people that are at your flight school are saying well the private is the easiest thing for you to pass and this that and the other in addition to that i was very much influenced by people saying this is gonna be hard because this examiner is extremely this and the examiner is extremely that and people telling you what to expect. And I was very much influenced by whatever everybody else was telling me. 
And with that, I basically lost all my self-confidence, which made it that as soon as I stepped in that airplane, I was like, oh no, I don't know what to do. I don't, all, everything that I knew was just gone, right? Because of this enormous pressure that I put on myself. So in that very first check ride that I did, I did a lap in the pattern and I, it was, I don't even want to explain to you how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> we landed. And at that point, I actually did not know that you can uh, continue your check ride mm -hmm. and then pass the rest of the stuff. And the examiner had not told me that either. So I was like, well, I'm just done. I don't just, you know, we're, this is done. We're done. Um, which then later on I knew because everybody else told me, and this is one of the things that made me also start my YouTube channel because I didn't know all of that stuff. I didn't know that you could keep going. And if somebody had told me that I probably would have tried to keep going with the flight. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, long story short, after that, all the pressure was off because now I've already, I've already failed once. Right. Like, yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what am I gonna do What's now? Gonna, so yeah. then on the retest, I did extremely well. Like mm -hmm. the, it, it, it was no problem at all because all the pressure was off. And unfortunately that type of pressure, I've had it again when I did my helicopter commercial add-on. Oh, I and didn't know you had your helicopter. Yes. Um, and so it was again, all that external, what other people were telling me. Because they were saying, well, you're doing your commercial add-on. That's really hard. You only have so many hours because I had the minimum amount of hours to do the add-on. Again, about the examiner, he's really, it's tough to pass with him, blah, 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 all that. So then exactly the same thing happened. That much pressure on myself. And then the only thing I failed on was on the simplest maneuver that I needed to do and hover auto. And it was like, and it was the only thing that I did wrong. So then eventually I had to come back, which we basically did on the taxiway and came back for yeah. a second time. <laughs> because now, you know, you have more experience, you've done check rides before, so I could kind of breathe my way through it. Mm -hmm. But still, that anxiety got the best of me. And that was just really because of listening to too many outside influences. And the more you do it, the more you learn to block all that out, I think. And that's how, you know, because if you want aviation, or at least if you want being a pilot to be your career, you're going to do a lot of check rides, a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. They never stop. Yeah. People think no. once you get your pilot's license and it's not that easy, you've got check yeah, rides with your, your, your airlines, you've got check rides everywhere. Right. And then with the airlines, it's every six months, right? You're, you're going to do some type of checking event, whether you see that as a check ride or not. Hmm. Uh, but I did, I, as soon as I started doing flying as a career, like I've never failed any of my check rides in a, pro in a professional sense. So now, do you think, do you think the reason why, so you kind of mentioned it already, but the reason you haven't failed, like, cause it's, you know, from what I'm hearing, you're, it sounds like you're, you're somewhat of a perfectionist, right? So Absolutely. you're, you're, you're used to succeeding, like, you know, yeah. you're an engineer, I'm an engineer. So, you know, you're, the answer is one or it's two, it's not 1.3. Exactly. It's not 1.7. The answer is right. It's, or it's wrong. Right. So, there's that mindset being an engineer, right? So yeah. you, there's, there's no, there's you that you either did it, or you didn't do it. You did it, you know? Exactly. So, so do you think that, that kind of that mentality, it really is kind of a negative, like, and so over time, like you kind of learned how to deal with that in your check yes. rights. I totally think that especially, so for example, for, um, 
if you go to an interview for a job, they ask you what your strong suits are and what are the negative things about you. And I say that perfectionism is one of the negative things mm -hmm. about me because it really holds you back. Because think about it. As a pilot, all you need to do is be extremely safe. Mm -hmm. Nobody's asking you to be perfect, right? Right. The only thing you need to do is be safe. And actually trying to achieve that perfectionism that is going to hold you back from being safe. And that's something that I really had to learn over the years. And I think I really, really got to know that when I started flying as mm -hmm. a pilot. Because like, like you just said, that engineering mindset is a lot different than the mindset that you need to have as a pilot, I think. I think both of them marry really well together, but I do believe you need to teach yourself a little bit, a, a different view of things um, specifically towards that perfectionism. I really had to kind of let that go. You know, it's funny. It almost, um, I was just thinking in the back of my head while you were talking that, you know, the, um, the writers, you know, the people that are more artistic versus the engineers, right? And you have the people that are artistic, you know, and they have the, the they go to be or not to be, right? And then right. the engineers are like, no, what is it? Darn it. Is it yeah. or isn't it? <laughs> I need to know yep. if it is or it isn't. <laughs> yep. So, so, so that's good though. But that, so that shows that, you know, as a pilot in aviation, it's, it's good to kind of figure out just how to kind of smooth down. Now, let's say you have, let's say I have one of my, um, my ladies, right? And she's 16 going on 17 and, She's, you know, she wants to be a pilot and she kind of wants to go the same kind of route that, you know, you did and, you know, go to the regionals and career. She wants to do a career in aviation and general, um, um, civilian aviation and maybe not, not military. Um, what recommendation would you have? And let's say they were really like, you know, really nervous about check rides and really nervous about, you know, having the big mean examiner, you know, scribbling on the notepad next to her the whole time. What, what recommendations or tips would you give her? I think the biggest tip that I think that that will help you out a lot is it and it sounds really new like from the moment is be in like be in that moment be present of what you're doing which is kind of like a buzzword nowadays because with meditation and whatever but right. I think it really does help during your check ride because for example if you do the oral part of your check ride the examiner is asking you a question and you're answering the question, yet you're already thinking about what he might be asking next. Mm -hmm. So you're not really paying attention what he's telling you. Just paying attention to the words and what the examiner is asking you can make it so that you actually will answer the question that he's asking, right? And putting more, um, more thoughtfulness in your answers as opposed to thinking about, oh, what might be the next um, question he's asking? Or even more so, sometimes you're sitting in that oral part and now you're already thinking about what am I gonna do when I start flying the plane? Yeah. When is he when when are we gonna be done with this part? So your mind is already ten steps ahead, but you're not really paying attention to what you're doing in the moment. So I think that's really important. I think the second thing that's really important, especially for that knowledge part, is you don't need to know everything by heart. Mm. And if you don't know an answer, don't panic because the examiner is not only there in the capacity to evaluate what you know, nine out of 10 times, the examiner wants to teach you something as well. Mm -hmm. And nine out of 10 times, they want this to be not only an examining thing, but they want it to be a learning experience as well. So don't be afraid to say that you might not know the answer, right? Never, I, I would personally say, don't say, I don't know, right? That's not a good <laughs> right. answer, but you can say-, say I'm gonna example, look it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
hey, I don't necessarily know the answer at the top of my head, but if you give me a chance, I do know where to find it. Exactly. So make sure that you know how to use your far aim like you just showed us. Make sure that you know how to use it as a reference instead of like a textbook, right? You're, you need to know where the answers are if you might not know it by heart. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And I also think it's important to just not put so much pressure on yourself. Because I think specifically for us women, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I see, I don't have that many friends that um, that are, well, that, let me rephrase. I know a lot of women in aviation, specifically general aviation, but not that many that went all the way to um, professional pilot, maybe airline pilots, that's a little bit less. But I do see in the ones that I do know, we all put tremendous pressure on ourselves because then you're like, but I'm, you know, one of however many in the in the company, not that many. Right. And I need to perform to show that I'm supposed to be here because you do. Unfortunately, you still do once in a while get that thing that people say, well, the only reason that you're here is because dot, dot, dot. Right. right. Fill in the blanks. And oh, and I hate those people. I'm sorry? I hate those people. They make right, those but comments. I mean, I, I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing because it, it, it makes it so that I want to perform the best I can. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important to remember that you're performing the best you can for you and not for anybody else. And I think the type of pressure that you put on yourself just because you want to prove yourself to other people is not going to help you pass a check ride. Mm-hmm. It's just not just added it's, stress. Yeah. It's just added stress that you don't need. Uh, it, and it's hard enough. Right. And I would also say like with every check, right, it's going to get easier mm-hmm. that that private pilot, I would say is the worst one. If you pass it or not, it doesn't matter because you have never done it before. Mm-hmm. After you've done your first one, then you'll feel better about the next one. Yeah. The fear, the fear of the unknown is worse. And the actual Absolutely. event itself. Absolutely. You know, one thing you said though, I think I really agree with, and a lot of people don't think of these folks this way, but those examiners, you know, most, most of them are not career people. They don't do that for a full-time job. They're not hired by the FAA, right? They're certified right. by the FAA, just like a pilot's certified, right? So, yeah. so most of those folks, they're doing it for a reason, right? So anytime you look at somebody in a position, you go, what's their internal motivation? Why do they do this versus doing something else? And a lot of them are a grandmother or a grandfather type figure, right? So, and like, that's their way of giving back to the community, right? They want to make sure you're safe because, you know, so that you don't hurt yourself or you don't hurt somebody else, but they're there really to help mentor as well. Um, You know, and then when you get done, I I unfortunately, the person that uh, was my first examiner is no longer with us, but I spoke to him all the time. Every time, the first time I met him, I thought he was this evil individual shooting fire out of his mouth and smoke coming out of his ears. And, um, you know, and I'm not an easy guy to scare. I'm six foot eight, 300. So, you know, I'm a big guy for in aviation, but, um, you know, physically anyways. Um, but you know, but this, and this examiner was like all of like five foot five, you know, 110 pounds, you know, soaking wet, you know, but he scared the heck out of me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and you hear that so often that students are just incredibly intimidated, just and and the examiner hasn't even said anything. Right? <laughs> it's right. And that's that's also. I mean, that was me too. But I don't. I don't believe that anymore. I really think, like you said, they're there because they want to be. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't have to do this. They're they're really trying to help you get to where you want to go. Um, 
and yeah, it, just try to keep that in mind. Other I'm people too. <laughs> now I'm good. Yeah, right, right, right. Most of them, maybe not all of them. So, so um, now um, I want to bounce around a little bit. I'm going to come back to um, kind of how you got started, but I, I because of the talking about the check rides, you mentioned something I didn't know. So you mentioned that you know in the airlines, you know, you get you know uh, maybe not a formal check ride per se, but you get kind of an evaluation flight of some sort every six months. You said. Yeah, so it kind of depends on which outfit you fly for, but you're going to have to do a line check at least every 12, 12 months. And in some outfits, it's going to be six months, depending on how they um, how, how they do their sim sessions and everything else. Um, so, yeah, you're going to have to do a reevaluation of your, of your skills. And it's specifically to make sure that you still know your standard operating procedures for the airline that you work for so that you still know for for example you have to memorize memory items and limitations and so it's a good thing to recurrently check if you still know these things by heart or not and especially for fo's that just start first officers that just start it might not be something that you would keep remembering if you weren't forced to do so right mm -hmm. and then um the second thing is the the most important thing of what you're practicing is emergency procedures right so if you're practicing an engine out, for example, those are things that you will, uh, and V1 cuts, so that those are, uh, if your engine cuts out right after rotation. Mm -hmm. These things, you can't practice those in real life, right? right? So that's why these simulator sessions are there. And yeah, they call them line checks or, yeah, that's how it's been called for my, uh, for my previous airline, yeah. Now it's really, I think, um, important too, um, and I know that you do this because watching you some, some of your videos, you can see the posters behind you um, and your videos. And so, you know, I'm, I forgot what people officially call them. I always call it a desk, a desk ride. So like where you're in your mind, you're saying, okay, you know, if somebody walked in on you that they would think you're crazy, but you know, so yeah. you're just sitting along going, Oh, I got a fire in the engine. You know, you're, you're pointing yep. the posters and. Absolutely. So I call it chair flying. I think chair flying. people call it chair flying. Um, and then we call the, the posters a paper tiger, mm -hmm. <laughs> where the terms come from. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly what you do. You just go through all the drills. Um, and then I'm a big nerd. I put my posters, I'll, um, I'll cut it out and then make sure that the overhead panel is up here. And so you actually get the muscle know, memory. Of yeah. So that, so that at least I'm pointing kind of at where I need to be pointing at, um, mm -hmm. Cause I did that in training and then I'll keep it that way when I'm at home. Um, and now just now for my last training, I just haven't put my paper tiger up in my room yet, but it mm. will, it, it will come up soon. Um, because now I already finished my training and it's going to take a long time still before I actually start flying. Mm. So that's a great thing to just continue to practice and chair flying in itself. I feel like it's so extremely underrated. Mm -hmm. If you are going through your flight training, even, for your private chair fly a little bit, have a poster of a, whatever you're flying, a Piper or a Cessna or whatever, um, maybe on your desktop of your computer and, and think about what you would be doing. Like, how would you start the plane? How would you, you know, think about how you would be taking off? Think about how you would be landing. Mm -hmm. It really does help because you kind of, you kind of go over it in your mind. And then when you're in the plane, it's not, you don't have to reach back so far between two flights right and i really believe so in the beginning i never did that because i thought it was silly mm -hmm. but then when i got my um when i started training for my commercial 
I definitely started chair flying as well. And I feel like it, it legitimately saved me money because I had to fly less. Mm -hmm. I really, I really feel like it helped. And yes, it looks like you're crazy. And <laughs> when your friends and family walk in the room, it seems silly, but I think you're, you're really pointing, you're, you're turning imaginary knobs and <laughs> yeah, exactly. What has Nancy been drinking? <laughs> you know, you know, we get a lot of questions a lot of times about, um, you know, cause learning how to fly is not a cheap endeavor for most people. So, um, and people will say, you know, what's one of the, what's one of the best ways you can save money and chair flying really is one of the best ways you can save money. Um, Absolutely. And right? you'd think that, you know, when, when you're thinking about saving money, it's the small things that save you a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. It's chair flying. It's being cons consistent in your flight training. It's um, asking for briefs and debriefs with from your flight instructor, knowing what you're going to do the next time when you fly and not be surprised if what's going to happen, mm -hmm. right? These are all super small things, but they might all add up to two less flight lessons, and that might be a savings of, what, $500, yeah. $400? It all helps. Yeah. Yeah, and, the, the, and everybody says, you know, learning, learning new material, knowledge material in an airplane is horrible. I mean, the airplane is not just not conducive for learning things like that. You know, the people that go yeah. in, you know, when they start their lessons and if they already show up, they've already passed their ground, you know, their ground training. Um, you know, they've already been chair flying with maybe, you know, Microsoft flight simulator or X plane or something. Absolutely. Um, they've done what you, what you talk about, you know, where you, you point out, you know, you do, you follow your procedures. I mean, if you go into your, you know, one of your first lessons and your instructor, your CFI says, Hey, we're going to work on emergency procedures. And they say, what would you do? Look at your checklist. What would you do, you know, if such and such happens? And you already have mentally the flow in your head. And you still need the checklist. You can't lose the checklist. But, you know, you're doing that flow. You're going to really impress that CFI. And they're going to be like, this person's ready for the next step. Absolutely. And most importantly, you're going to save some money. <laughs> you're going to save some money. And you're going to be a much safer pilot. So Absolutely. Now, um, now prior to COVID, right, because I will say in the last year, um, you know, COVID has just knocked everybody backwards, right? Oh, so, yes. Um, Unfortunately. Now, prior to COVID, though, what got you? So now I'm looking for like little young Nancy. So little young Nancy at some point in her life said, you know, I see an airplane. I want to do that. So what was that story for you? So um, I grew up in the Netherlands, in Europe, but my uh, parents are from the Dutch Antilles. So my mom is from Aruba and my dad is from Curaçao. And when I was super, super little, uh, we didn't necessarily have enough money for all of us to go visit my grandparents, but there was enough money to send me to get go to my grandparents. And then what they did is they put, you have all these kids, and I, I can't remember how old I was, I might have been six or something. And they put all these kids together and the flight attendant will corral all of you, they're like, you're hurting, <laughs> right? Everybody is being put on that plane. And then um, you go and on the other end, your family comes and picks you up. So I asked the flight attendant, I was like, so how is it that this thing is mm -hmm. going to bring me to my grandparents? Because other than hearing them on the phone, I didn't know how I'm going to get across an ocean, right? How, how old do you think you were at that time? I think I, I think I was, well, I said six earlier, but it, I might have been way younger than that. Oh, wow. Okay. Pretty so you're pretty young. Okay. Yeah, pretty, pretty young. Um, and the flight attendant Unfortunately, I don't know her name or anything like that, but she took me up to the cockpit of the airplane. And this is the first plane that I've ever been on was a Boeing 747. So she took me up to the cockpit of the 74 and she's like, these gentlemen are going to fly you to your grandparents. 
And in my brain, everybody's grandparents lived on the other side of the world. That's what I thought. <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> so I said to myself, I'm going to be that person that brings everybody to their grandparents because everybody Aww. needs to see their grandparents in real life. So that's kind of where I came up with the idea of wanting to be a pilot and to, you know, to fly people and connect them with their families. And that that's where it came from. And then eventually my, my aviation career has meandered in so many different directions now that the only thing that's left now is still wanting to fly. And mm -hmm. maybe, you know, in, in addition, you know, COVID, people don't fly as much anymore now. So right. it's kind of... I kind of took that part away from it just a little bit, but hopefully everybody can start flying all over the world again soon. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. Yeah, I'm going to jump around a little bit just to kind of go off of that that conversation. So yeah, so so COVID hits, right? And it knocks everybody, right? So people think about the pilots, but it's it's everybody. It's this. Yes. It's the people that are servicing people inside the airplanes. It's the fuel handlers. I mean, if you don't need as many fuel handlers, if you don't have as many airplanes that are flying. Um, you know, it affects everybody It's in the whole industry. And, yeah. um, so now prior to COVID, cause I want to talk about where you're, where you're going, but so prior to COVID hitting, cause COVID just like descended out of nowhere. Right. So, you know, I, it was so interesting. Um, you know, interesting is probably not the right word. You know, sad, probably a different word, but, um, it, it was, it was interesting to see, you know, all, if, if you know, all of the people I talked to and all of their goals that they had set in, you know, January, February, March of this year. And some people literally a week or two before they, you know, they found out they're being furloughed or in your case, you didn't get furloughed. You, your company closed. Yep. Lost my job altogether. Yeah. So, um, so that, you know, so it's like all of a sudden your, all your dreams and hopes are just on hold or they're going backwards right and so many people um so this is where i talk too much but so many people um you know I, I see so many i talk to so many people and they've like they're like well you know what i'm gonna go do something else i'm gonna go teach in college i'm gonna do so i tell a lot of people i want your opinion on this um so this is the long runway <laughs> to, the, to your opinion i like i see so i i i do think whether it's two years three years i don't know how long five years you know hopefully not that long but um, I do think we're going to get back to some sort of equilibrium, um, you know, for, for flying. And I think we have a lot of pilots that just like, they're not going to come back. So, you know, we talk about a pilot shortage and right now we obviously don't have a pilot shortage because we don't have a lot of airplanes in the air um, as much as we used to, but that's going to come back. And I think we're going to have less pilots than before. Um, so if you're somebody that's thinking about a career in aviation, I'm not certain that this is a really bad time to start getting involved in that by the time you get out of school. Um, what, yeah, do you th what do you I think? I think actually that this is a great time to start as opposed to people like myself, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if you already have 2000, 2,500, whatever, 3000 hours and you just got furloughed, you're in a bad spot, right? right? Cause it's, it's hard to find a job right now. It's hard to not impossible. I am completely convinced that there's, and I know there's tons of jobs, not tons. There's, so. There's jobs out there if you want a job and if you're willing to pivot and change your direction. However, if you didn't start flight training yet and you want to start now, you don't have to be in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Just do flight training a little bit leisurely. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. Take maybe three years, four years in order to get to those 1,500 hours. 
And then I am just like you. I think that in three, maybe four years, we're going to get to a point. Maybe we're not specifically there, you know, end of 2019 pre-COVID times yet. Mm -hmm. But we'll definitely be in a spot where many pilots are going to be needed. And if you are ready right then, you're going to be able to get a job. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm convinced of it. But I do think that in order for you to get there, you need to be creative and you need to be patient. And, you, and I don't think you have to be in a hurry. I think you can, you can enjoy it. Instead of, you know, pre-COVID, everybody was trying to rush, rush, rush through flight training as quickly as possible because the airlines were hiring everybody with a pulse, which mm-hmm. was just true, right? But that I saw a lot of people getting super stressed out because of that. Because there's this enormous pressure to get through it and then to start flying. Because now is the time. You need to do it now. And you see so many student pilots burn out and not even get there anymore. Because they just don't, you know, it just too much pressure. Mm-hmm. And now I think if you start now, be, you know, easy on yourself. And then three years is a good time span to kind of get there. Three, four years. Mm-hmm. I think you'll be in a great spot to get uh, to get a job by then. But yeah, you, you definitely need to try to get there. And I see, especially on my channel, I see lots of comments of people saying, well, I just became a CFI and I don't have a job now because people like yourself are taking all the CFI jobs, for example. Or um, it's hard to find a time building job because of COVID. And yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. But it's also not impossible. I have friends that are still CFIs. I have friends that found jobs, for example, flying um, pipeline patrol or whatever, mm-hmm. they uh, or other survey flight flying. They found jobs in this time. It's not impossible. I just think you need to be creative and definitely not give up. I think I I just I actually just recorded a video in response to a few um, comments on my channel. I think. If you feel like you want to give up right now, really think about it. Think about it really hard because the aviation industry always goes in cycles, right? right? And right now, we're at rock bottom, let's be honest. So it can only go up from here. Mm-hmm. So if you want to catch that upward wave, then I, I would say no, don't give up or start if you're thinking about it. But do it smartly, right? Make yeah. sure that you have a plan B. I always say that because things like this happens. Yeah, it's kind of like um, what do they say for the stock market? You you buy low and you sell high, right? So exactly. right now we're on the low. You don't sell yep. now, right? Now's exactly. when you build. Yeah, um, it's it's now is the time to just you know build up that those flight hours so that you're ready by the time that the airlines need us again. Yeah, and it's horrible to say because I know um, everybody's got an individual story, you know, and what's right for them and not right for them. So who am I? But um, but I do see like, like if my kids were into aviation, right. And, and if I have two daughters, so if one of my daughters said, Hey dad, you know, she was, if she was a pilot, right. And let's say she just started her career and, you know, she was still working on getting her 1500 hours for her ATP, you know, I would be like, well, come, come move back home, you know, go, go do something else just to keep your expenses really low, but just keep moving forward because in a couple of years, yeah, it seems horrible. Like, you know, who cares what your friends think? You know, if you go, oh, I'm living exactly. back home with your mom, who cares? You know, when, you, when, you're, when exactly. you're following your think, dreams. I think that's something that's so, that people just don't necessarily think about. It takes a lot of sacrifice to get to where you want to go. Um, 
as as a pilot, but I I personally think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Like I've I'm I'm sacrificing every day to not do things because I want to do something else. Um, a really silly example is I really want to get my ATP add-on for the helicopter. Mm-hmm. It's gonna cost a lot of money, right? So then I'm saving up, and instead of buying a new car, because I definitely need a new car, mm-hmm. I w- I'm gonna do my helicopter training anyway because I feel like that's more. I think that that's better use of my money. The car will still run, but I don't have an AC, which is a little bit of a problem in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I, I, I last time I went to Disney, I did lose my AC, and it was really miserable. <laughs> it was right? really bad. But then you know, it's either have a car with AC or be able to afford more flying lessons. Right. Like for me, that's way more important. And, and and like you said, maybe you do have to move back in with your parents, or maybe you have to. I don't know, not do whatever expensive right. um, other but expenditure that you want to do. Um, your friends want to go to Mexico or something for a weekend. Well, maybe we don't go to Mexico. <laughs> I've got to get some more hours. It, it kind of, it, and it really does depend. And it's and to your point, everybody experiences COVID or hardship or mm. anything else differently. And I see on my channel, I see really three big type, three responses are very apparent. I see the people that don't know they're just like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know what to do now. And they're really kind of, you know, in limbo. What is the best way to do it? Then there's the people that are saying, well, I'm definitely going to just, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to mm-hmm. truck on and make it happen. And then there's people that are understandably super disappointed and maybe think that a different career is better for them, which, maybe. you know, maybe it is. Yeah, it could maybe. be. There's, there's, there's a ton of, th- I, for it. In my situation, I, if I were to go back to engineering, I would have enough money to then fly general aviation next to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the solution, right? If you want to keep flying. So it's, everybody needs to figure out what the best way is for them to, to proceed, I think. You talk about engineering plus flying. I don't know if you know who this is. It kind of ties into, um, I didn't have this on our initial list to talk about, but uh, I think it's, it's relevant um, based on your conversation. Do you, do you know the name Cecilia Aragon? No. Who that is? So Cecilia Aragon, um, she is now a professor at, I always get, I'm gonna get this wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, Cecilia. Uh, the <laughs> University of Washington in Seattle. So okay. there is a, the University of Seattle at Washington, and then there's the University of Washington in Seattle. <laughs> and I always so get it wrong. Them. So she, she works at one of those two <laughs> universities, but she was the, and this goes back to your conversation about you know women and you know the way they looked on. She was the very first Latina woman aerobatic pilot um, on the U.S. aerobatics team, and she ended up becoming the fourth-ranked U.S. aerobatics pilot, men or women, um, in the U.S. And she was the fourth-ranked uh, women's in the world. Um, wow. Yeah. And so, but she, just like you, um, you guys have a lot. You know, you don't, you maybe hopefully aren't doing seven forty-seven barrel rolls, no. uh, <laughs> you know, um, and snap rolls and stuff. But um, but you know that was her thing. She actually had the engineering job. Um, and she was doing the engineering job, you know, to really help fund the flying. Yeah. She didn't have the big, and also she didn't start flying until later, relatively. Right. Um, but, uh, but that's what, she, that was her path into aviation. Um, yeah, and it's, it's kind of the same for me too. I funded my flight training mostly with, um, with my engineering job. And mm-hmm. then right now I'm funding my helicopter, my rotorcraft training with my fixed wing job. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how, how I kept it going. And it, it, I feel like for since you mentioned it, 
for people doing it as a second career and I'm doing this as a second career. Mm-hmm. That's such a great way to do it, right? You, you, you can pay as you go still with the job that you have until you, if you actually want to change it into a career until mm-hmm. you have a position in which you can, you know, have saved up enough money to uphold whatever lifestyle you have at the moment. Cause you, you know, you might have a family and all of that. You need to think about how much less you might be making as a first officer at an airline. Cause you don't make that much money. Um, and then, you know, start doing your CFIing and whatever next to it. And it's, I think that's a great way of doing it, but it, and I think what I was trying to illustrate is being a professional pilot is not the end all be all mm-hmm. right. Like if in this whole case, if this whole, Corona thing had worked out a way that I wasn't going to be able to be an airline pilot anymore. I would have probably gone down a similar path and find another challenging thing to do mm-hmm. with aviation, still flying, but then funding it with the job that I then might have to do differently. Yeah. I'm going to do a little shameless plug for civil air patrol. Um, yeah. you know, there, there's, um, you know, for folks that don't know, like so Civil Air Patrol, we do a lot of missions with the Air Force. We're actually one of the, the five pillars of the total force for the Air Force, the Air Force Auxiliary. And um, and so we'll do search and rescue missions. The majority of the Air Force um, uh, search and rescue missions actually come to us. So like when there's hurricanes, um, 9-11, we were, we were flying over New York. Um, you know, we actually have just had our largest mobilization ever because of COVID, bringing relief wow. supplies to areas. Um, and then working with the, you know, our, I call them kids, sorry, guys, <laughs> um, our cadets, um, they're kids to me. And, um, you know, so, you know, teaching them about aviation and, um, and doing all of that type of work that is, you know, so if, if you're somebody who wants to get involved in aviation for, um, you know, but you want to have kind of a meaning behind it, you just don't want to fly in a pattern and, you know, do touch and goes, you want it like something more serious. Um, but also it has that meaning behind it. But maybe you don't want to be an airline pilot. Oh, by the way, you can gain a lot of hours in Civil Air Patrol as well flying, um, because we are flying. You talking about the the, um, the pipeline flying? We do yeah. similar flights where we look for um, people that put up antennas um, to make oh, sure really? that the F-16s and everybody else that's flying the military routes that they don't run wow. into something that's not on on a map. Um, so, but anyways, um, so anybody's interested in aviation that side, that's another way to go too. Is is you know with Civil Air Patrol? Yeah. Um, now, one thing I want to ask you, so you are hopefully for you, um, and we'll talk about your, your latest gig in a second, but hopefully for you, you are one of the, the lucky slash you worked your butt off for it. So it's not luck, but you, you're hopefully coming out of it, um, in a, in a good position. Um, yeah. now because you kind of had that, like you were, you were kind of like on the up COVID, right? The roller coaster hits you down. Right. And then now you're on your way up. But you know, something else could happen 10 years from now, right? Knocks you back down again. Um, and so in aviation, like you mentioned, we do see these cycles, right? So now that you have now gone, 9-11 was a big cycle. We have this cycle. Um, so now that you've gone through one of these cycles yourself, what would be one of the recommendations or what do you wish somebody had told you um, for maybe somebody that's maybe just in flight training, um, they haven't experienced one of these downturns. What would, what would you want them to know? Well, so for, I was actually pretty well prepared for this because somebody had told me this before I started flying professionally and was, you need to be prepared regardless. You need to have a plan B. And I just, I say that all the time on my channel. I'm pretty sure that people are getting sick of me saying that, (laughs) but you never know what's going to happen. COVID hits, 
maybe you lose your medical, whatever, mm -hmm. right? Knock on wood, you don't want that to happen, but something can happen. Fortunately, that's where I'm at right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's not good. I'm hoping another Oof. month I'll have it back. Oh, <laughs> goodness. But so, yeah, there you have it. That's an example, right? Um, you need to You need to have something else that you can do. And I personally think it's important you need to have something else that you can do that you actually like to do so that you're not going to be completely miserable doing whatever you're, you know, whatever the alternative is. And the second thing that um, they told me was to basically save up money just in case, right? Because you never know. If you do lose your job, you need to have something like an emergency fund, some type of buffer. And so I had those two things in place that when COVID hit, yes, it was a very, I felt for me personally, and I don't know if that's because I'm a woman or not, but it felt like a super big emotional thing. Like emotionally, it felt like a huge hit, just like you said, oh my gosh, my career, what I've been work, and in my case, I've been working towards that point for 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. From my first flight lessons until I finally got into that right seat of an airliner. It took me 10 years. So it was a huge hit. But when I then sat back and objectively, without all the emotion, looked at it, I was like, well, I'm actually in a great spot. Mm -hmm. I have enough savings to not have to sleep in a cardboard box under a bridge. And I don't, I'm, I'm in, in a position that if, if it gets that bad that I can't fly another plane at this point, I can do something else, mm -hmm. right? And I think that those are two super important things. But the one thing that I had not expected it, had not expected and nobody told me, is that it it's taking like an emotional, such a big, the feeling behind it is so much more than I thought it would ever be. I was just shocked of how terrible I thought it was. I didn't, I would have never thought that I would have had such a, I don't know, like physical reaction to it. I was just really distraught by the whole thing. And I think that a lot of people, and especially for pilots, because we're all like, you know, A-type, yeah. a type A personalities. And I think that people don't want to admit when something hits you that hard, but it really did. And I think that that's, other than being prepared in all the objective, you know, things that you need to do, also make sure that you're emotionally prepared to take that hit if needed. Um and I guess, yeah, in the last 20 years, it happened three times, right? Kind of with 9-11, uh, mm -hmm. yet the economic crash. Right. Now we have this. 2001, 2008, now this. Yeah. yeah. So I, th I, think, I think we all can collectively agree that we want nothing to happen for the next 20 years. We've had enough. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> three things. But just in case, you need to be prepared. Yeah. Um, and it's it, the funny, well, it's not funny at all, actually. I had a... In, at some point I had a, um, a, uh, what was it called? A response video to a comment that somebody had posted on my YouTube channel, because here I am up and coming with my flying and I'm posting mm -hmm. all these videos and I'm all glad about, and a big thing I want to convey is positivity, right? I want people to see the fun parts of it mm -hmm. and I'm trying to be as realistic as possible so that's why i also was very public about the whole furlough thing um but so this gentleman had had told me well you haven't gone through a downturn like this and he had been furloughed twice before and then i think maybe eight months later 
I lost my job due to this whole thing. Mm. And, I, and I really have to think back to that comment because then I had a very harsh reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And I think now that I've been in that position, I probably wouldn't have reacted that harshly to that comment. I still stand by what I said, but I mm. wouldn't have put that much figure into it. I think right now I'm thinking you need giving all the people that have gone through this a lot more grace than I, <laughs> than I did previously, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's hope that everybody comes out of this, you know, for the better. So Absolutely. now, so, so now let's, let's talk about you specifically. So, um, I think it sounds like you are coming out of this, um, you know, on the positive side. So prior to COVID, you were flying a regional and what, what type of air, airplane was it Embraer? So I was flying an Embraer ERJ 145. It's 145. a 50 seater. It's a basic, some people call it the Barbie jet because it's one of the <laughs> smallest jets out there yeah. to, <laughs> to fly. And it's one of those that you're sitting in the cockpit and I don't know if 10 times when people come and get on the plane they're not aware of what type of airplane they're gonna fly in yeah. and they're like oh my gosh this is the smallest plane ever <laughs> by the way you would not be able to stand up straight in that plane i can't listen there's very few airplanes i can stand up straight <laughs> I, there's there's your 747 i might not be able to stand up straight exactly well the cockpit is surprisingly small in that thing uh, you but, should yeah, see you should so see me try to get flying so you should see me getting into a 737 cockpit. <laughs> so the seven, you know, I don't know who's at Boeing and what they have against tall pilots. I mean, you have these big airplanes. Can you just give me an extra four inches of like room in the cockpit, please? <laughs> Anyways. There you go. Yeah, they are small. I agree. But yeah, so that was the plane that I flew. And then now I'm going to fly a 747, like you said. So I upgraded. So you went, okay. So, so for people that don't know, um, and if you're not into aviation, I don't know how you would be watching this show, but <laughs> so assuming if you're watching this show, you, you understand this a little bit, but you, you literally went from a toy, a toy model of an airplane <laughs> with a 145 to, uh, uh, so you could t- almost take your airplane and put it inside the engine <laughs> of, the en- of the engine you're going I think into. The, uh, the takeoff weight of a 747 is 20 times that of oh. a Embraer ERJ 145. <laughs> Don't quote me on that, but I believe it's about 20 times. You could take off the you take off the wings and the body and just shove it in the baggage compartment of your 747. <laughs> your basically, airplane. basically, yeah, so, it's a it's a really big difference, and it's a huge. I I think for me, obviously, this really gets the comes full circle because it's the first plane I've ever been on. I honestly never thought in a million years that I would be able to fly to 747. And that was, it's literally a dream come true, right? Yeah. You're Um, fulfilling, you're fulfilling your goals as a six-year-old. I mean, that's incredible. Right. But then on the other hand, it's also completely different because now instead of flying people, I'm going to be flying freight. So it's a completely different world. Um, I honestly don't know what, what what it's going to be like because it apparently is a completely different side of aviation that i have not experienced yet so now just out of curiosity not the name drop another youtuber but have you spoken with kelsey over in uh no i have not but the funny thing is uh what is it two years right when i started with the channel Mm -hmm. i messaged him and i was like how do i become a 747 pilot because (laughs) i you know i watch this channel i'm like this is fantastic and then he replied to me and he said, well, you need to have some more experience and this, that, and the other. 
And that was the only conversation I had. So I need to message him back one time and just see if he remembers that I ever sent him that message. I'm going to go with no, because he gets so many yeah, 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 messages. Yeah. Um, how, yeah, did, how did you channel. get this? So how did you get this opportunity? I mean, in the middle um, of COVID, I mean, first of all, to get this opportunity non-COVID would be incredible. Um, so how right. did you get, I mean, I mean, there is not, for those that are listening, there is not a million, like there's a lot of 737s, right? There's a lot of Embraer's. There is not a lot of 747s. You're putting yourself in really kind of a, a, an elite group of, of aviation. Um, how did you find that opportunity in the middle of a global pandemic? Uh, I think the one thing that I might've not mentioned before is that networking Mm -hmm. is incredibly important. So like you said, I try to reply to every single uh, message that I get and um, try to keep the lines of communication open. And I do that because I want to help other people, but quite frankly, also purely for selfish reasons, because if you have a lot of people to draw from, you might be able to get a new opportunity. And that's exactly what happened. It's just one of those people that I knew, specifically through my YouTube channel, that um, was gave me the opportunity and said, "Hey, this is something that you might be interested in. Would you like to do this?" Wow, that's pretty And incredible. then, you know, phone calls back and forth and whatever, and making sure that you have a good resume, making sure that you show up for the interview, making sure, and not physically, but you know, do all the quote-unquote idiot-proof things. But you know, it it sometimes it's so silly because people get. Um, an opportunity because they know somebody mm -hmm. and then they get an interview and then they show up at the interview in sweatpants and a t-shirt because it's a zoom interview, for example. Right. And then they're surprised that they don't get the job, but listen right now for you, 10 others, because they have resumes that are piling up. Mm -hmm. You need to show up. You need to make sure that you dress the part. You need to make sure that you are prepared and all that stuff. Right. Um, and I think, the opportunity, so yes, I'm lucky. I realize that I'm 100%, I, I know that. But I do think like the there's work. this quote, it's like luck favors the prepared. Mm -hmm. I was prepared to be able to jump on that opportunity. And I think that that's a really important thing. So networking is super, super important and be prepared to jump on those opportunities when they come your way, because they will, as, mm -hmm. as if you, if you, communicate with a lot of different people and also be open to new things, right? Like I never thought about flying cargo, never mm. thought I was going to do that. And then, you know, I was flying three days on four days off or four days on three days on whatever a schedule like that. Now I'm going to be flying 17 days on and 13 days off, mm -hmm. which means I'm going to be away from home for a really long time. Something mm -hmm. that I haven't done before other than training. Um, and you need to be open to new opportunities like that and, and see if you want to at least try. Right. Mm. Yeah. And, it's a new lifestyle. Know, it's, it's yeah, it's lots of unknowns. Um, but I think, yeah, the opportunities are there. If you network, make sure that you talk to people because especially right now, the people that are getting jobs is because they know people, everybody in my class mm. ha had a reference. Mm -hmm. in order to get that job and it's that's just the way it is yeah i don't think i've had a conversation um i you know i've i've only been doing like how you started your youtube channel i started doing this because COVID hit and i couldn't teach in classrooms anymore 
Um, I'll tell you afterwards what happened with this medical thing. The FAA yeah. is really making me upset. <laughs> they are so, oh, no. so slow right now with their medicals. Um, but anyways, they, um, you know, you find other ways to, to keep involved in that community. Um, and so I think I've talked to maybe 10 people, you know, pilots like yourself in the last, like maybe six weeks or five weeks. And every single one of them has talked about the importance of community and building that community. And there's a direct correlation and it's not just, you know, civilian aviation. I had a CW Lemoyne on, I'm not sure you know that is, um, but I had him, yeah. I had, he, I talked to him yeah, um, maybe about a week ago and he was very telling, cool. yeah, very cool. Very, very cool guy. Um, he, he's another guy like you just wants to help as many people as he can, you know, with, with his background and, and he started his thing too, again, just like you, you know, just to help develop that community. And, um, but he was telling a story that when he started, he had a real big problem and he was basically told, no, you're not going to fly. Now he wanted to go military, not civilian. Mm -hmm. Um, but he didn't, his famous saying is don't take no, you know, make them tell, you no." I think is how he says it, make them tell, you no." Um, and, but it was, he had some like contact of a contact who was based, somebody knew somebody from an ROTC unit at some base. And then because he kind of had a good attitude about aviation, after he kind of was told it ain't going to happen, buddy, um, they reached out to him and said, Hey, do you want to work kind of in the area? And then he's, yeah. Right. So, and then he springboarded off that and now he, you know, flew for the air force and the Navy. Um, yeah. so if he didn't, you know, but if he, like you were saying though, if, if somebody just kind of said, okay, well, I guess this didn't work. Somebody said, no, you're done. I mean, what are you doing? Absolutely. You, you know, so you ain't flying a 747 if you did that. No. So. <laughs> and the amount of times that I heard no is the same. It's the same thing. You just keep trucking along. And I think community, like you said, is so incredibly important. And I would say that the aviation community in itself, even though we already maybe talked about it a little bit in a negative sense, I think it's 99% positive. There's yeah, so many people out there that want to help you. And if you feel like you don't have a aviation community near you or anything that you can actually reach out to look online there's mm -hmm. facebook groups there's um i don't know forums reddit yeah. whatever you can whatever you can find and you can find so much information there from people that have gone through whatever path you want to go to you probably can find somebody to talk to and then you know go to your local airport hang yep. out i met a lot of people i actually let's see my first, I had a, my, my first air, my first airline job, the corporate job that I had before that, they were both also through contacts that I met at the airport. I got my airline job through actually a student of mine that went to the airlines before I did. Um, and she, uh, wrote a reference, uh, reference for me. Um, it's just, yeah. So now three jobs in my professional pilot career were through people that I knew. Let me ask you about that. Um, Cause I hear people say that, and I have this envisionment when people say they meet people at the airport, right? And so mm -hmm. now I'm thinking about, you know, seeing Nancy standing at a fence <laughs> on the outside of the airport, looking into everybody. So I, like, if, if you're like, how does that work? How do you meet people? at the airport? How do you get involved to start developing those relationships with people at the airport? How did you do it? 
Well, in the beginning, it was a lot of deep breaths and just walking up to a person. For example, I saw somebody that had a Cessna 140, and I was intrigued by this airplane. It's a tailwheel. I love flying tailwheels. I was like, that's a cool plane. And I just took a deep breath and walked over, introduced myself and said, hey, I'm Nancy. You have a cool plane. And that, you know, then became becomes a contact. You might be able mm -hmm. to fly with them or not, and specifically don't have any expectations. But that's an opener already, right? People that have airplanes that are there are going to want to talk to you. And this is specifically <laughs> right. in the general aviation spheres, right? Um, or you, you find two pilots that are in a corporate jet and they're eating their lunch at the FBO. Ask about what type of airplane they're flying. How long have you been flying? How many hours do you have? It's an in. It's something that you both Assuming that you're there because you love aviation, this pilot became a pilot because he loves aviation or she. Talk about things that you like. It's that easy. But uh, it does, I mean, I'm not I'm not necessarily that much of a social butterfly, even though it seems like it with the whole YouTube channel thing. Yeah. It does, for me, it did feel like, you know, all right, <laughs> let's do this. And it just, it just helps. And then it really does help if you become a CFI mm -hmm. or you're in an organization like yourself with the Civil Air Patrol, you, you just, you know, already have a little built-in aviation group at that point. And specifically when I was a CFI, it was easier to meet people because now you kind of look the part, right? You, you kind of have the, the get up on and you can kind of like walk over to people a little bit more easily than when you're just normal i guess yeah you, you all of a sudden now you belong there you're not kind of the yeah, outsider exactly. trying to figure out how do i get in like you're exactly. you're the establishment so to speak exactly and it is also kind of a confidence builder right because now it's like Ooh, i'm yeah. a professional pilot now too so i can talk to you right somebody's like actually paying me to fly it doesn't cost me 200 dollars every hour right? i want to fly an airplane so absolutely if you've got the time nancy i know we're running I, i've got two more questions for you do you have a few more minutes sure okay yeah um, you know, cause I, I do want to get into something you just said, and then I want to, I do want to finish it up with the 747, um, and, um, and then find, you know, the YouTube, so maybe three more things if it's okay. Um, sure. so th now I'm going to be selfish. Um, so this question is for me. So if anybody else gets any benefit out of this, that's awesome. This is for me. So I, once this medical thing gets done, hopefully in another two weeks, um, I am actually going to be looking to go on for my CFI. So do you have any tips or tricks for people that are, you know, really been GA focused? They're not looking to go into, you know, the airlines or anything like that. They just, you know, the CFI thing is just, a, you know, so they can give back to the community. Do you have, do you have any recommendation for people that are looking to move into a CFI position? Uh, as in how to, for your exam or for when to actually instruct? Good question. So when you're instructing, I'm not so worried about the exam. Um, you know, I'm like you, I get super stressed out, but usually for whatever reason, I pay them enough money and it, you know, I can buy them off um, and they, they check me off. But, um, but no, like when you get that first student, um, you know, and, and to be honest with you, because at that point you have two nervous people in that airplane, right? Yep. You have that student who's Absolutely. really nervous. And now you as a CFI, you know, listen, everybody wants like the really experienced CFI. I totally get that, right? And I'm actually gonna be doing another video on five questions to ask a CFI. Um, so, but you know, one of the things like the pilot of America, you, you talked about the forums, right? So, um, I asked some of the members in the pilots of America forum, you know, what, mm -hmm. what are, what are questions you think people should ask? And almost all of them are like, you know, basically experience questions. 
And I feel bad because I'm like, well, the only way to get experience is if you're also new. So, um, so when you're brand new, you've got a new pilot, you got a new student pilot, you know, and then a new CFI, you're both trying to do the right things for the first time. So, um, so that's, I guess that's the situation I'm, I'm looking at uh, for your, okay. your thoughts. So I think one of the most important things that people tend to overlook is that that new CFI is the one that has the most recent information fresh in their heads, mm -hmm. right? So for example, I just did my CFI refresher course online, but I, I certainly haven't flown with a student for a long time. So now I'm the experienced flight instructor with mm -hmm. more flight hours. But if you just passed your CFI check ride, that student is better off flying with you than with me, mm -hmm. right? Because my, my airline experience is not going to help me fly that Cessna 172, <laughs> right. let alone save it from somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. So in that, in that respect, when you just start, you have all that information, you have all that stuff so fresh in your head. Who better than you to teach somebody else what to do? Because you're, you're the one that has all that knowledge fresh in your head. So I think that's one thing to remember. And then the second thing to remember is it's just going to be scary. Mm -hmm. It's, it just is. I don't, know. I don't know what else to tell you. It's just the way it is. And then, you know, the scariest flight I've ever done is that very first flight as a flight instructor. And then having to give over, give up the controls and let them do it. Yeah. But it's only scary for that very first time. So After you get that, used it's to it. Be fine. All right. So, 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 so my first student pilot, when they see me walking out to the airplanes, my first time as a CFI and I'm, I'm wearing a parachute, <laughs> like, like, why, why is my I'm instructor wearing wear a parachute? Wear parachute underneath your t-shirt, fake it till you make it, man. Just be like, oh yeah, I got this. Yeah. I'm not really this fat. I just have a parachute under my shirt. <laughs> so. No, but I think what, what I think is one of the things that's a little sad about getting your CFI is that nobody teaches you how to teach. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you get your fundamentals of instruction and yes, you do the, the, the written test, but that's not going to help you when you're sitting next to a student and they freeze up on the controls and short final, mm -hmm. right? Nobody teaches you that. That's only experience that does that, right? Like that, that, that can help you out of that situation or when somebody inadvertently puts you into a stall or a spin, yeah, mm -hmm. you have to save the plane, right? It's have you, have you, you spinned an airplane yet? I have, yeah, but I have also done. I mean, you have to do it for your CFI, um, for your CFI training, and um, I did an upset course, which I would absolutely uh, recommend to anybody. Specifically, if you want to be a CFI, go do a unusual attitude course or upset course or aerobatic course or something intro introduction to, because if you've done it a few times, then if it, you know, all of a sudden happens to you, then you know what to do. Yeah, I freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not that sinking feeling anymore. It's like, Oh yeah, I've, I felt this before. I got to find one of those airplanes that can hold a six foot eight guy. But <laughs> anyways, um, so, so the seven forty seven. um, now you've now, have you completed your type rating? Are you still working on yes. your type rating? The type rating is complete. I've, I passed at, uh, was it 28th of November, something like that. So congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. That is sweet. Um, it's super exciting. It's so funny because you fly the the simulator for what is it, seventy five hours if not more, mm -hmm. and it's like this little box, right, that you're in. Yeah, it's it's a big and, version of a Redbird, like for those and people in GA. Exactly. Yeah. And then 
I, I have, honestly, I can't imagine what it's going to feel like to actually fly. It's like the fifth largest plane in the world. Yeah. I don't even know. I can't I imagine when you, the first time you go to flare that airplane and your cockpit's going to feel like it's a hundred feet off the ground, you know, yeah. and your wheels are going to be touching down in a, you know, another oh. centimeter. <laughs> that's, that's, it's, that's... it's going to be something else, but yeah, I, I did. Uh, so I did pass the check ride. Um, we're now awaiting IOE and they said it's going to take about the month and then probably in January start. For those um, that don't know, what's an IOE? IOE is initial operating experience. Mm -hmm. So at the airlines, when you pass your check ride for your type ride to get your, your um, type certificate, and if it's the first time you get your ATP certificate, mostly people don't have their ATP at that point. Um, but this time for me, it was just getting a new type rating. You're actually not done yet with training, even though it feels like you're done. The actual training is going to start on the job and you'll be flying with um, uh, an instructor, basically, but an instructor at the airlines that's going to help you uh, through those first few hours. For us, it's going to take about 25 hours mm -hmm. normally, um, but it's normally training through proficiency, right? Like it's really, it's not a pass or a fail type thing in general, Um well, I guess if, you, if you're going to take 120 hours to pass your IOE, at some point your company is going to say, well... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe this isn't maybe, for you. Maybe this is not for you. But most of most of, most companies will give you a little bit of a leeway and they have a certain amount of hours that, that they say is how long IOE will take. So for us, it's going to be 25 hours, I think. And then after that, once you've completed that, then you're actually done with training, but mm -hmm. then you normally are still on probation. So you still have a year in which you have to really be on your toes. And then after that, that's when you're actually fully done and you're the first officer on whatever airplane you're flying. Well, I'm so excited for you with that. Thank you. Um, I'm excited too. <laughs> I, I really can't wait, you know, and I hope I get a chance to talk to you again in the future, but the, you know, that's, that's, that Anytime. is super exciting. Um, now last thing, uh, cause I'm, I'm keeping you along cause I'm watching the clock here for you. I don't want to, I don't want to kill your night, but, um, so for vlogging now we know, you know, for the YouTube channel, I call it vlogging, but you know, so for the YouTube channel, you've already told us, you know, about how, how important that was. And it really helped in the middle of a global pandemic that shut down aviation largely. That really was the key to help you open that door. Um, was that kind of your thought when you got into the YouTube or what was your main, um, thoughts. And, and again, for those that are listening, uh, check out the show notes. I will put Nancy's information down below. Go check her out. Um, me personally, she's actually motivated, motivated me to go back for the CFI. So, um, so, you know, Nancy, thank you for that. Um, oh, I'm so glad to hear that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm like geez, in the middle of a pandemic, look at her go, you know, I need, you know, I need to up my game too. Um, so, so what was the real motivation behind the YouTube channel? Um, I think the, the the initial catalyst was I got a, a 360 camera and I mm -hmm. put it in the cockpit. A friend of mine, he had a Cessna 172 at the time and we went flying and I have cool footage and I was like, this is so much fun and I'm <laughs> editing it and I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Mm -hmm. What are, You know? And so I started putting it online and I thought it was cool to see. And then I started getting questions from people that were asking really like the starting things that I didn't know when I started. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, if, if this is something that I can help people with, why not? And then eventually, very selfishly, I noticed that you can make money off of it too. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed that as I really enjoyed my time as a CFI, 
Um, some people use it specifically just to build their hours, but I, yes, I was building hours, but I, I had a lot of fun doing it. Mm -hmm. And I also noticed that just with the YouTube platform, I can reach so many more people with, you know, the tiniest bit of information that might be helpful. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, just like for some people have no clue how to find a flight school. Mm -hmm. I didn't know when I started at all. I had no clue. Yeah. What's it? Yeah. Then, what's an introductory flight? You know, the, yeah, yeah, what's no, a, what's 61 versus 141. What a discovery flight was. Yeah. I didn't know what that was. I had no clue. I didn't know that there was something like civil air patrol, right? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know so many things that I didn't know. And I'm trying to put all those things from my experience, what I didn't know, I'm trying to put that out there so that people do know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then specifically at this point, I'm trying to reach people that want to change their careers and, and, and become a pilot because I feel like, um, I get messages from people from from kids that are 25 years old and they're saying, "Am I too late to become no. a pilot?" It's like, ah, uh, no. No. <laughs> like myself, I'm 38 now. That means I have 27 years left. <laughs> right. I, I, have, I, have I have a, a friend who switched over. He, I have a friend who is he's in his early 50s, and two years ago just switched over. Now he's not going to you know retire with 30 years and you know that huge you know pension you know in the airlines. Yeah. But you know what? He's doing something that he absolutely loves. And, you know, he got sick of the desk job, um, you know, and, and he wanted to do something else. And, you know, life isn't a yeah. dress rehearsal. You know, you, you got to go do what you want to do. Absolutely. So that's that's kind of where that came from. Mm -hmm. um, I do like right now because of the pandemic, right? I haven't been flying much and I had a lot of fun doing the vlogs like mm -hmm. the, the video logs as they're called. And now I'm doing a lot more of those sit down talking videos because mm -hmm. I just don't have any interesting footage to share. Right. I'm not flying. I'm not. Um, and again, that's because I'm saving up money because I want to do more helicopter flying. Mm -hmm. If I were to spend money on um, fixed wing flying now, that would just, you know, take away from that. Yeah. So I really did enjoy doing that. And I really enjoyed showing what regional airline pilot life really is as a starting pilot. I found a few channels that I was like, you're showing things that's great, but it really isn't that fantastic in real life. Right. So, and, and not trying to dissuade people, but to give people the, what it actually looks like right. so that you can make an informed decision of if that's something for you or not. Yeah. So what you're watching is, a, is it a screensaver, you know, or is it actually something that's providing value? You know, to the to the exactly, person and that's yeah. that's my my biggest thing. I really do want to provide value on the channel, and I have a lot of fun with editing. Like mm -hmm. sometimes it's maybe not that valuable because I just wanted to splice together some type of video because I thought it was fun, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just. Well, it's, you have two of those. You've got a you got a video you're doing for you, and you have a video you're doing for other people. And sometimes the video right. you do for you is your best video because you know because for you everybody else wants to see it too. You know, <laughs> so. Let's hope so. But yeah, I'm very excited to when I start with this job, right? Then I can show something else again. Because mm -hmm. I showed a little bit of the corporate life. I showed a little bit of the regional airline flying. And now I get to show something completely different again with this, um, I guess, freight dogs, as they call them. Yeah. Um, uh, fer a fairy dog. No. Yeah. Fairy dog. Right. Whatever. A freight dog. Yeah. Um, this other side of aviation, right? Um I, I like to highlight all these different things and hopefully I get to put some more co cockpit footage when I start flying my helicopters again, hopefully be able to put that up. But it's for, I really am 
interested to see how other YouTubers are putting cockpit footage out there. Cause I don't, I mean, my companies never were happy to have cameras on board. Yeah. Yeah. And I some know flight that... schools are not happy to do that either. So I don't, I don't know how people do it. So your first day of your 747 training with your instructor behind you, you're not going to take a GoPro and shove it in his face and go I know, right? tell the world what you're going to teach me today. You know? <laughs> how <are> we doing, sir? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to, you're going to do uh, Oh, what was the name of that movie with, uh, anyways, they had um the one gentleman he had like a little mount on his shoulder and he had like a camera here the whole time you're not going to go on your 747 gig with uh, the camera just like you know turning around and looking at everybody the whole time <laughs> that'll I be a way to get to known that. i would love to do that but i don't think that's a good plan yeah the one person i think who has honestly some of the best in camera footage i've seen and i mentioned this to you before we got started um um oh shoot um uh ryan farron um, oh, yeah. missionary pilot, Ryan Farron. He's got like four or five cameras, you know, in the cockpit. Um, he does an incredible job of just talking like the whole, he, it's a single engine. He's, um, he flies a Kodiak, a quest oh, Kodiak. Yeah. So it's kind of like a Cessna caravan for people who don't know. Um, very similar, but, um, but he's, he's an only pilot. He's by himself. Right. So he'll have passengers or cargo in the back, but there's no, it's a single pilot aircraft and he'll sit there and he'll, he does such a good job of just walking through what he's doing, why he's doing it, you know, the whole process, um, you know, and I think I, I make fun of him because I think he's doing it because he's, he doesn't have anybody else, anybody else to talk to. And so he's kind of like that guy from um, Castaway who talks to the volleyball, you know, Wilson. And so yeah. I'm like, I'm like, are you a little crazy? And you just have to have somebody to talk to. Is it, you know, so you put a camera and like, that's your way through it. And he's like, you know, I'm not telling you. So, um, but anyway, so he does a really good job, but like you're saying though, but that's not like a corporate gig, you know, like a 737, 747, um, a lot of times I see, so I really hope you can crack that bubble for us. Um, you know, yeah, I hope so too, but at this point it's more important to keep my job than, <laughs> the, <laughs> than to have nice cockpit footage, honestly. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys can't lay me off. I have a YouTube channel. Come on. <laughs> so. Well, it is something that you need to consider for those of you out there that are, that want to do the whole YouTube thing. Cause mm -hmm. as soon as my YouTube channel started growing a little bit, it is it was the the first question on my interview for this job was really are we yeah what what are we gonna have to expect from your YouTube channel are we gonna see I don't know whatever they don't want to show you do they um, want the publicity from the YouTube channel or you think or do they they want to make I sure they don't get in trouble from the I YouTube don't necessarily channel? know at this point because I didn't ask the question because mm -hmm. I just want to assure like if. It's also a question. If there's of an engine fire. You're not going to put, you know, you're not going to whip the cameras out and start videotaping. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a big thing about safety. Of course. Mm -hmm. Um, the FAA is in there too. I don't know if you, I guess when Steve-O, are you? Yeah. Yeah. When he crossed Steve the taxi line and he didn't cross it all the way. That one. The I guy, guess so. The guy blew he got him in. in trouble with the FAA. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, you could, you could put yourself in trouble, right? Yeah. If you have cameras all over the place. Um, and I guess companies, I, I can understand that companies just don't want that trouble. Yeah. Cause you end up getting, you know, a hundred thousand people to watch your channel. You're going to get the one crazy person out there, you know, who's going to be like, Oh, I saw one thing, you know, out of the 4 million things that just happened. I found one thing I can question. So I'm yeah, going to contact always, the FAA. There's always going to be trolls out there, right? Yeah. That's just the way it is. It's something that you have to arm yourself against. But I right. think companies, some companies are willing and some companies are not willing to, uh, 
to bear that because there are a few corporate channels out there that are flying with the companies knowing right. and their part 91 flights they film the whole thing right so cool all right um well nancy i want to you know first of all congratulations on the new gig um i know that everybody that uh has been following your journey we were really sad for you um Aww. you are a very optimistic person but you're still a human being so yeah. when that happened you were being as optimistic as you could but we all felt for you we felt for everybody uh, in the industry um you know because um you could just see it you know you, you can see it um and so to then see the ups that you're going through now it's so nice you know it's, it's like um what do they say in the movies like you can't have a hero if you don't have a villain right it's so, so true so you know you you know you can't if you're just always up 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 you never really get to really appreciate those ups you know if you haven't had a down so um exactly, yeah. and, and i hope and i hope that the other people that have you know that are going through this um they do as well um they find you know a door that opens for them and yeah, they, they, they get it going too so absolutely that's what i hope too that everybody can get back on their feet sooner rather than later let's hope let's hope you know th this video is going to go live in january but you know here in the united states um, people got their, uh, cause this is recorded in advance, uh, for those that are listening to this, um, in the United States today, we had our very first, um, vaccinations, the vaccinations yep. have started. Um, so now if we can just try to keep the politics out of all this, we can, we can do what's right. And, um, we can get this thing behind us, you know, sooner rather than later. So, um, absolutely. So, Nancy, thank you so much. Um, I, I, I hope to meet you in person. Um, yeah, absolutely. You're not that far from me. Um, so, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we can do, uh, a collaboration. I'll come pick you up in a 182 and we'll do the hundred dollar, uh, hundred dollar hamburger, uh, video. <laughs> so, absolutely. That would be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. So, all right. Well, if anybody is interested in learning more about Nancy, kind of following her story, um, she has some incredible videos. Uh, and really can kind of follow along. And like I said, she's, she is not this like 400 million, you know, subscriber, maybe someday she will be, I'm rooting for it, but, um, you know, she's uh, not this huge 400 million subscriber person who, you know, either doesn't pay attention to at all to what their subscriber, you know, their, their, uh, their, their people are saying, um, she really d does a great job of going out there. And you know, now I know why, because you had that, that conversation with people when you probably were getting started and they were responding to you and you see the value of building that community. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, so reach out and just let, you know, let Nancy say hi to her and, uh, you know, she'll probably say hi to you back, but don't be a troll. No more internet <laughs> trolls. <laughs> so, we make fun of, we don't, we, you trolls don't bother us. We make fun of you. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, but yeah, so Nancy, again, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on and, um, well, anything else you want to say before we, we take off? All right, so that was Nancy Bradshaw. Um, like I said before, I've mentioned a couple of times down in the show notes below. Um, so if you're on um, the podcast, it'll be in the show notes. If you're on YouTube, it'll be in the description down below. Um, Nancy does, she's on a bunch of different social medias. Uh, really YouTube, I think, um, is, is her primary place to, uh, to watch and see. Um, so I'll make sure I put all that down below. Uh, if you wanna get a hold of me, um, again, I'm with Civil Air Patrol. And so we have a podcast called Aerospace underscore live. So if you want to follow along on these interview type shows, uh, but you want to do it from your car or while you're jogging or whatever, you can do that with the podcast. Um, if 
YouTube is kind of the home for everything else that we do. Uh, you can do a slash youtube.com slash Robert Roberts, uh, or as I like to say, a, a name so nice, my parents used it twice. Um, and then we have, uh, um, I'm sorry, I got this wrong. The podcast is aerospace-live, and the Twitter is aerospace underscore live. Um, and then obviously, if you want to learn more about Ghost of Air Patrol, um, we are roughly an 80 to 90,000 person community around aviation. Um, so if you're looking, if you don't know how else to get involved in, in aviation and you want to find a good way, come hang out with us in Civil Air Patrol. Um, go check us out and go to civilairpatrol.com. And that is it. I hope you all have a great night and we'll talk to you soon. Bye everyone.